My name is Josh Snyder. You're watching Thoughtful Discussions, and I'm here with Steve Ricardo. And tell me a little about about yourself. A little bit about Just myself. Give me like give me like a one two minute intro. Someone that's never met you. Well, I spent most of my career, about thirty years of it, working in the music business. I okay. worked for record labels in in uh, New York and L.A. L.A. and New York mostly, mostly L.A. Yep. Uh, about. 12 of those years at independent labels and about seven A&M records okay. in Hollywood. And then I started my own music management company. I also ran my own label. And I've just done a lot of booking for bands yep. and public publicity, radio promotion, like everything. Right. I also was a writer for many magazines. Okay. Not always as Steve Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes using other aliases. Right. That's a quick summary, I think. Okay. And uh, where are you at now? Where am I at now? Yeah. Now I'm I'm making tacos. It yeah. Baby loves tacos. Which is right which here is in fantastic. Bloomfield, yeah. Uh, neighborhood of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But I'm still right. doing a lot of music stuff. I've been working yeah. on a couple books, and I do some licensing. And I'm not yeah. out of the business by right. no means. But the music business is taking a bad turn for the worse. And since about 2008 or nine, mm -hmm. people stopped buying music. They're getting it for free. Vinyl has made a nice little comeback, yeah. but not enough of a comeback right. for me to have a full-time career anymore, gotcha. unfortunately. Right. But I never give up on the prospect of that happening again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know how I mean, to do it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know right. if a band's going to say, hey, you right. want to be tour manager on my tour? Because I've yeah. toured with bands for years. And yeah. I pretty much feel like I can do just about anything. But, you know, the landscape's a little different. Yeah. Well, tour man, I mean, that's never going to go away. You're always going to no. need. I'm getting a little up there to be a tour manager. Because <laughs> shut up and get in the van is a little harder the older you get. Plus, you need to get a decent night's sleep. Right. You know? That's fair. That's fair. Um, so tell me, you broaden it up a little bit. I know you got tons of stories about your past. Um, tell me about some of the bands that you that you worked with. Uh, how about if I tell you how I got in the business? Let's see. Let's see Is that. that. Cool? Yeah, yeah. Because it's an interesting story. Because yeah. on January in 1983, I just yeah. finished college, okay. and I was on a road to nowhere. I was just yeah. Doing drugs and just what, really what, not doing a good. What did you do for college? I went to Framingham State yeah. University in Massachusetts, media communications major, journalism minor. But gotcha. when I got out of school, I just yeah. I couldn't get anything going. Gotcha. And I had a couple of friends that were out in California, yeah. living in Hermosa Beach, okay. and they offered for me to come out. And I'm like, well, you know, I want to be in the music business. So if I'm ever going to have a chance to make it, yep. L.A. is where I want to be. Nice. So I never had been on an airplane in my okay. life. Okay. And I bought a one-way ticket. How old were you at that point? 22. Okay. I bought a one-way ticket to L.A. Yep. I only had $400. The ticket cost me 200 and I had $200 left. Yeah. And I had a paper bag full of, like, with names scribbled on it. And an acoustic guitar yeah. and, and a one suitcase. Okay. And I went to L.A. And I was only there for like four days. Okay. And I landed a job. Really? Yes. Working for, uh, it was Enigma Records and Green World Distribution. They were one company at the time. Okay. I started selling records on the phone for Green World, the distribution part of the deal. Yeah. 
So you had to call record stores. Yeah, I called record stores all over the country. Some actually were here in Pittsburgh. Ides Records in Pittsburgh yeah. was one of my first accounts, actually, that I dealt with. Wow. And uh, from that point on, about after doing that for about a year and a half, I moved over to the label side, and that's when I started getting involved. I handled all their distribution, and gotcha. I started signing bands, and that's when my career really started to, to take off. Gotcha. That's amazing. Um, so what? So then you you started doing tours. No, well, actually, at Enigma. What's, that? I, What's next? You tell at me. At Enigma, I walk me through I it. convinced them to let me sign some bands. Yeah. One ended up being a really really huge band. Who, who was? Which it? is Poison. Yeah. From Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yep. It took me about six months to convince them that we should sign the band. I had some allies at the label, but most of the people there made fun of the band. Yeah. They thought that they wore too much makeup. They didn't okay. like them. Okay. But a couple of girls that worked there that were yeah. assistants convinced me one day that I needed to go see this band. Yeah. So I went to the Troubadour, okay. West Hollywood. Yep. Been there. And I, I get, get there and I'm like, I see nothing but girls in line outside. So yeah. I, I go in the club and there's like literally 190 women yeah. and 10 guys yeah. and I'm one of them yeah. and then they hit the stage and right then and there I knew they were raw yeah but I'm like yeah this band's on to something yeah every major label passed on them wow everyone that's why our independent label Enigma Records was able to sign them and we parlayed that into a deal with Capitol Records okay and that's when they exploded gotcha uh, another band I worked with, I did not sign, but I know you're from Orange County, so yeah. I have to bring this up, was Striper. Okay. They were a Christian heavy metal band. I remember hearing about it. And them. I thought this was like, oh my God, a Christian heavy metal band? Are you right. kidding me? The two things don't go together at all. It's, it's a dichotomy, Christian right. and heavy metal. But I ended up going out to see them, and I was yeah. like, oh my, these guys were... They yeah. had a great show. They were doing shows yeah. at the Pacific Amphitheater wow. in Costa Mesa, which was yeah. like 10,000 people. Right, right. And they had a huge Christian following. And we sold tons of their, at that time, cassettes and records, because we didn't yeah. have a CD yet, to Christian bookstores all over the country. So, so you did could, you end up working with them? Oh, yeah. I worked yeah. with them for a while, yeah. I got a Bible actually to steve ricardo from stripe yeah I saved it and <laughs> you then should. you know i was involved at somewhat in the smithereens getting signed and a lot of other bands like the neighborhoods the mm -hmm. outlets the straw dogs ronnie montrose who was from the band montrose okay he did a, a solo deal with us and there's tons of other bands sweet and from that point on i left there after about three years because roadrunner records in new york offered me a job it turned out to be a catastrophic move for me because yeah. I end, it was the only job that I really got fired from okay. because of some things that we couldn't agree on. Gotcha. But like I did politics sign, or, or no, no, not like politics. Off, like just office. I did some things that they didn't want to do. I spent yeah. some money in some places that they didn't want. Gotcha. It was it, I was still young at the time and right. stupid, and yeah, I did sign a few bands there: the neighborhoods, uh, the Great Cat. 
I got start started with Gangrene. They ended up getting signed, but I kind of got it started with them because I gotcha. knew them. They were a Boston band. And then after that, I went to Giant Records, which is my own little punk label that I ran through an independent distributor in New York. Okay. And that was a real fun label. I worked with Dag Nasty, Government Issue, Verbal Assault, Seven Seconds, Marginal Man, INC. Mm -hmm. You know, it was great. A bunch of uniform choice from yeah. your neck of the woods. I believe they're from Huntington Beach. Yeah. So that was my favorite thing that I did. And after that, yeah. I got away from a and okay. I became uh, the director of marketing at Metal Blade Records. I moved back to L.A. Gotcha. And then I worked for Third Stone Music for a little while, and then A&M Records was my major label gig. Gotcha. And when I finally bottomed out there <laughs> about 1998 is when I started Twisted Rico Management. Okay. And then later on, Red Car Records. Gotcha. That's a lot that I just... That's a lot. A little That's a lot. Area, if you have... Anything you want well, yeah, no, I got like things. seven things. Um, seven seconds. What were they like working with? I'm just curious. We did one record with yeah. them. It was the Live Plus One album, and yeah. I, I, Kevin Seconds is a really nice person. You know, yeah, I didn't have things. a lot of communication with them. Very little. Yeah. Out of all the other bands right, I mentioned, right. I didn't. I went and met Kevin at CBGBs in New York. Yeah, it was, they were already kind of rolling by the time you... Yeah, yeah. yeah. this was like a one-off deal. Yeah. This was not one of their bigger right. records. Right. It actually came to me from the owner of Dutch East India. He said, what do you think yeah. about doing se yeah. a seven-second... Like, of course, of course. I'll yeah. do a seven-seconds record. Yeah, cool. Um, do you know who Mike Park is? Mike Park. Asian Man Records. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mike yeah. Park, yeah. Been a fan of his for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I don't I know actually, personally, but that's yeah. a good label. I did an interview with him. Um, we had a, a music magazine in California and uh, did an interview with him and uh, Dan Potash. And uh, Seven Seconds was playing that night when we were there at Chain Reaction. You remember Chain Reaction? No. In Anaheim? No, I didn't little, go Little to venue. It was all ages. The, the Marquee? Was that in Anaheim? There were a couple. Coach House? Coach House, yeah. Yeah, there were some venues. I, I didn't yeah. go to Orange County a lot. Okay, it's fair. <laughs> I mean, when you My were neck in, of the woods. In, yeah, you yeah. Know, I was in Hollywood. You right. Know? I mean, There's a lot out there. Country There's Club a, in the right. Valley. We went to a lot. Troubadour, Whiskey, Roxy. Yeah. You know, those were the clubs that I was at a lot in L.A. I, likewise, likewise. Yeah. The uh, Sunset Strip. Exactly. It's beautiful out there. In 1984, let me tell you. Yeah. It doesn't get any better than it was in 1984. You would walk down the strip and there'd be a million air metal bands on one side of the street and all the punk hardcore kids on the other side of the street. It was fascinating time. Sounds amazing. I was young and yeah. having a lot of fun. Amoeba Records. Amoeba Records. Yeah. yeah I remember them. Yeah. yeah. They're still around. Yeah, actually. they are. They are. That's Back awesome. then we had Rhino Records, Moby Disc. There were a lot of good record stores back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many of them are still around anymore. Probably not that many. So talk to me about, so um, just an idea for for people that are watching, a lot of the people, hopefully, the market that I'm trying to hit is entrepreneurs, people that are um, just kind of starting out and are maybe thinking about doing their own thing. Maybe they've been doing it for a little while, but they're, they're looking for, um, you know, other people that have done it and they want to see kind of what they have to say and whatnot. So with that Christian band that you were talking about, the reason I think why it worked is because in, in that genre, there's not, there's not a lot of that, like there, you have Christian metal 
And so there's, there are a lot of people that might be Christian and there might be, they might like metal, but they don't, they don't have anything. So they can fill up an amphitheater where if they just played regular Christian music, even though they might be really good and talented, it's, it's not going to catch on like it did. Well, you know, one fascinating thing about Striper was yeah. we would ship to our distributors around the country. If yeah. we could ship like 10,000 copies of a record, yeah. that was good. Right. On the Soldiers Under the Command record, we shipped 90,000 copies. Yeah. It was like the biggest independently distributed record at that time. Yeah. So when you're involved with something like that, right. everyone knows who you, you know, Enigma right, right. became a very big label fast. When I was there, we yeah. started with eight people. Gotcha. By the time I left, uh, they had moved from Torrance mm -hmm. to El Segundo. Yep. And there were so many people there. It was like, it became a huge company. Gotcha. And I feel like I was there and part of the early growth. Right. I didn't leave there very happy because I was young and right. I feel like I didn't mm. get anything out of the poison deal and that was really hard. When gotcha. I saw all of a sudden all the owners had big mansions right. and I didn't get one cent. Right. Although I have maintained friendships. Yeah. You know, mostly with Ricky Rocket, the drummer. Gotcha. I never paid to go to a poison show. Right. If they were gonna come to Pittsburgh, I would get in touch with them and I'd go to the show, I'd get awesome. backstage passes, but yeah, I didn't get a house. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not that I'm was just in it for the money, but it's interesting so how that how that plays out. So, what was your your job when you were there? You came on and you did what? What was it? Was it I A handled all the independent distribution. Okay. And I dealt with distributors all over the country. Yeah. Uh, I sold the in the case of Price uh, Striper, we sold a lot of direct sales to Christian right. bookstores. Right. Um, I basically handled the top 100 retail chains. Yeah. At the time, it was Tower. Music Land, Record Bar, yeah. Tower, Ta people yeah. like that. And then I was able to, they let me sign bands. Yeah. And I signed as many bands as I, that's what I really wanted to do, gotcha. artist development. So when you did that, explain to me how that works. So there's not part of the deal in there where, you know, you get a percentage? No, there were no points allocated at yeah. all for any of the bands okay. I okay. signed. It was just good for your reputation to gotcha. sign bands. Gotcha. This is like 85, 85 yeah. 86, 87. You know, this is right. independent music exploded during that time. Absolutely. And CDs Absolutely. started coming out and everyone was on tour. Yeah. It was, it's nothing like that now. Yeah. It's, you, do you remember uh, Bionic Records? Bionic Records, yeah. Long then, Beach? They had a store in Huntington Beach, uh, Fullerton, and Cypress. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not uh, quite Orange County, but they, they when were. I was when I was twelve, they they had the same owners had a skate shop, and I I did their website when I was twelve nice. years old. So you kind of I didn't know you were involved with music. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was yeah. They're they were great people to work with. They so. I'd be in their their back room, and they had they had records that were you know signed and framed from all sorts of people. Some that I never even heard mm -hmm. of. Obviously, I was uh, I was born in '86, so there was stuff that I didn't even know what it was. Um, but stuff from No Doubt, stuff from um, they had Orange you, you County remember, yeah. is a real good spot for great oh, bands. Yeah. You remember you you've heard of The Offspring, right? Adolescence. So, yeah. Um, they had no, this one you know, social D's in Orange County. Yeah. Man, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I yeah. Love social D. They had this one <clears throat> where um, this one picture, their storefront. And then there's a 
little sidewalk and then their parking lot and they have they they set up a live show and they're they're for the offspring they're playing right in front of the, the record store right and they had a fisheye lens and it's, it's, he's right down the middle and on one side you see the storefront you see the band playing and on the other side the row of cops get trying to get him to stop <laughs> Friggin' perfect picture. There was a lot of problems with the cops in yeah. Huntington Beach. I do remember that. <laughs> it was like one of those places where things got a little crazy. The South Bay was the other place because that's where yeah. Black Flag, the Circle Jerks, you know, those bands came from Hermosa Beach. Yeah. SST Records is right down there in Lawndale. Yeah. Lawndale. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was an exciting time. Oh, I mean. beautiful. Offspring was a little after the yeah. time I'm talking about. I understand. In 84, 85, 86, man, it was exciting. Oh, before that even, you know, I mean, the, the Black Flag and all those bands started, like, in the early, earlier than that. I didn't get there till 84, but it was still going strong. When um, you said you were young and you made a lot of mistakes, for someone that might be listening and they're, um, you know, they're developing themselves, what, what could you have been told when you were young that, that would have made you be a little bit more understanding? Well, people at record labels didn't want you to know that you could get points <laughs> yeah. on records. They right. were The first time I got a point was at Roadrunner when yeah. I was getting fired. The guy, Case Wessels, the owner, said, even though I'm firing you, I'm going to give you a point on the Neighborhoods Reptile Man record because you signed the band. And I was like, well, gee whiz, thanks. Yeah. You know, where was my point on Poison when they sold $16 million? Right. But, you know, I would say for younger people, it's different now, but I would say if you're going to get involved with a band, make sure you have a good deal yeah. when you're going to get a cut. Okay. Because if you're not getting a cut, it's great to say you, you're doing it right. for the fun. Right. Which... I had a real problem. I should be wealthy, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> but, you know, that's... Well, some people don't know right. how to make deals. I didn't know how to make a I mean, deal. There's, that's where I went wrong. Right. I mean, for the bands as well, you probably saw a lot of bands put in a lot of work that, that got squeezed out from the label. And they didn't. They ended up without much of it, right? I mean, that Well, you know, too. I have a book that I finished that I haven't... I'm still... I keep rewriting it. I've yeah. got to get it out. It's get called, it out. It's called Independent Record Scum. Okay. And it's called that for a reason. Yeah. Because I saw a lot of bands get yeah. screwed right. over the years. I was partly involved in screwing the bands, but I didn't really even right. know right. when we were doing these 50-50 publishing deals at that time right. that the band was signing away 50% of their publishing. Yep. It was part of the deal. I was young and stupid. That's what I meant yeah. by that. No, I, I get it. I get it. I, I, when I started managing bands, and I managed a lot of Then bands, you're on the other end. I never gave anyone any publishing. Yeah. I told the bands, we're never doing a publishing deal no matter what. Hmm. You just don't. Your publishing is the most valuable thing that you have. Right. That's amazing. Um, so... What do you think of, so you said in like 08, 09, the music industry changed, right? Well, I found that out because around 2003, while I was running my management company, I also started a record label. Yeah. Uh, the, a band that I worked with for a long time, The Charms, they mm -hmm. put like six records out. I was their manager. Two of the members of that band and I, along with a couple of investors, started a label. Yeah. And we manufactured a lot of cds yeah and a lot of them are still sitting in a warehouse yeah in boston 
because the industry just went yeah kids all of a sudden decided we don't want to buy music we iPods came out internet. right yeah Napster was I think 99 and after that there was a whole slew of companies that came out mm-hmm. and it totally killed and then yeah when, when iTunes finally hit and you could buy legally for 99 cents people a song, still don't buy right <laughs> some you know some yeah. people do but you know I mean I was looking at some statistics a few years back and CD sales was still the same amount of income as downloads yeah and you know vinyl was like less than a million you know now vinyl is all of a sudden Coming I think up. vinyl never should have gone anywhere it's a yeah. shame how cds are garbage right even cassettes have made a comeback with it yeah I, I heard i heard someone saying that they're gonna they're gonna be on the rise i now. think burger records in mm-hmm. la and some of these labels put out cassettes now you know yeah i mean i i don't have a problem with i think physical copies of music are way better than just I hey listen I listen to Spotify all day too because sure. you can hear anything on there. Right. But I go to Juke Records down the street and buy records when I can or right. Attic Records. I'm wearing an Attic shirt yep. today. Yeah. You know I go to record stores because vinyl still sounds better than anything else. Absolutely. Um. So where where do you think the music industry what changed? So other than the fact that you know people stop stop buying. <laughs> Music. Other than the fact that no one bought music right. anymore. Well, ha- but but the industry obviously adapted. So you started charging more for concerts, right? And pushing more to- tour merch and and. The two, yeah, I always tell bands now when they yeah. come to me the two ways that you can make money from live shows and your publishing, which is licensing. Yeah. If you can license your yeah. songs to TV, right? Film. TV commercials. Like, I managed the band, the Love Me Nots, from Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. We had a huge deal with T-Mobile. Yeah. That basically made the band more money than they ever made. They got, like, $40,000 for their song to be in a commercial for 20 seconds. Yeah. But you got to put in the work. Yeah, you have to really work hard to get licensing deals. The Charms... Yeah. Another band I worked with, KHT, we got a lot of licensing deals. I used to have a deal with MTV. Mm-hmm. Like, there were these weird shows, My Super Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shows like that where I licensed a lot of songs to okay. those shows. Okay. I'm trying to think of the other show. Oh, God, I can't believe I can't think of the name of the show. But there was another show there that we licensed a ton yeah. of songs to. Okay. I developed a relationship with someone in the uh, licensing department at MTV, and she took a lot of the music I gave her. Awesome. And all, there was no money up front, yeah. but when the BMI and ASCAP right. check showed up, yeah. all the songwriters were getting cash. Right. So how did, for someone that might not know that might be a musician that's just starting out, how does that work? What is, what is BMI and ASCAP? Well, that's, you know, a lot of bands were dumb back in the old days, and they've smartened up now. When yeah. you write a song, you got to register your song. Yeah. Otherwise, you won't get anything for so it. So registering so it, that's what creates rights. the license. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people do copyright. You know, they do the copyright, and then they do the BMI, ASCAP. There's a couple other smaller companies. Right. But there were a, I have a publishing company, yeah. and the reason I have it, and I have a bunch of, like hundred over hundred songs in it, yeah. is because bands were too lazy to register their songs. Right. So I said, hey, give me twenty percent, 
and right. I'll do it. I'll handle the paper. So I have a long list of bands, Twisted Rico slash BMI. Yeah. It's because bands didn't want to do it. But yeah. some of those bands, for 20%, they didn't care. Yeah. A lot of them, when I did those deals with MTV, my 20% ended up being like a couple bucks. 100 bucks here, 150 yeah. bucks there. Yeah. It worked out pretty good, you know? But I suggest that bands register their own songs. Got you. It, you don't, you, you just pick one. They do the same thing. BMI and ASCAP serve the same purpose. Right. And they, so they go after everyone. Not radio, uh, radio yeah. play, right. TV, yeah. uh, jukeboxes. Yeah. Like you, if you have a jukebox in your bar, you have to pay BMI right. and ASCAP every year. Right. If you're like Queen. And TouchTunes takes care of that. Yeah, That's one Touch of the things. TouchTunes does that now right. too. Uh, if you're Queen and We Will Rock You's playing in every sports arena in the country, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're making serious cash. Every Super Bowl, We Are the Champions comes on. Yeah. Freddie's so, in his grave, but somebody's collecting the money. Right. Um, fun story for, uh, for Pittsburgh, if we got any uh, Pirates fans out here. Um, Jay Hay, he, he put his, for his walk-off music, his brother's a DJ and uh, producer, whatever, and he put his, his music there. So every time he walks off, oh, he really? gets a couple bucks. Yep. Well, look at the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> they really cashed yeah. in when Jonathan Papelbon was the re star reliever for the Red Sox, and they would come up. He would, every time, know, right? take the feel with his song. Love it. Even Roger Clemens used to have Rocket Man by, uh, I'm remembering this because I yeah. used to go to Fenway Park a lot when I lived yeah. in Boston. And, you know, the, the, the music's prevalent. Absolutely. It's important. You never know, you know, what song's going to become a hit like that. Right. Like this band, The Sounds, from Sweden, they never had a really huge hit or anything. Yeah. But one of their songs ended up in a Geico commercial. Okay. And it was on all the time. So you know they made a lot of cash off yeah. of that track. Crazy. And it was the only song that was written by someone else in the band besides the the singer who wrote most of the songs yeah. this was like one of the other guys had wrote yeah. he probably so. got a lot of cash for good that. not good. probably he did yeah so where um so i i believe adapt or die with business you either have to adapt or you, yeah or you die right so i know you're trying to get me to come up with an angle here <laughs> but i think that you know it's one thing well, that it's, hasn't changed is the band still has to get in the van and go out and tour correct and you know you got to put in the work is how you make your money selling t-shirt right Physical. like i'm wearing this volcano dogs t-shirt right they probably made most of their money from their merch right not from playing howlers right you know oh yeah you don't make you can make money off merch right so what what do you think would have to change for you to be able to get back into the into the music industry well, I'm doing different things now. Yeah. Like I just was interviewed for a book. Yeah. This band Dag Nasty that I worked yeah. with in 1987. Yeah. It was a real interesting project on Giant Records. Very controversial. Okay. The money, the whole thing was controversial. Well, a writer from D.C. called me and interviewed me. Yeah. And I did like an hour interview with him, and he asked me. I told him everything I knew about the project. Yeah. I knew more than probably anyone else did besides the band. And things like that get me excited. You know, I, I'm working on... What's his name for people that want to look it Bennett. up? Hunter Bennett. That's the writer's name. He wrote name. a book about uh, Roger Rogerson from the Circle Jerks also. Okay. I'm not sure what this book's going to be called. 
It's okay. going to be about the making of Dag Nasty Field Day gotcha. album. And they came from what what band were they? Brian Baker, the guitar player, was from uh, Minor Threat. He's in Bad Religion. He's been in Bad Religion for gotcha. a long time. He's the star power in the band. The other guy, Doug Carrion, yeah. the bass player on that record, was in The Descendants. Okay. Which was a big... So this was their California their chance. They were they were trying to go they were pop instead Discord. of pop. Like, they were on they were... Discord Records. They put yeah. two records out. Then they came. They it fell on my lap because a writer I knew yeah. called me and said, "You should talk to Dag Nasty." I'm like they're not on Discord anymore. I called Ian Mackay up at Discord Records and I said, "What's your future with this band? Because I don't want to step on your toes." He's like, "They're going in a different direction. If they want to sign with you, sign them." And he yeah. gave me his well wishes. Yeah. So I signed him. And we sold a lot. It was a good record for an independent. They Some people call it hardcore. I call it popcore because it was yeah. more like poppy punk yeah. sounding, you know. Kind of like Husker Du and The Descendants. Okay. Bands like that. Yep. But it was a little more commercial hmm. than their previous record, Wig Out at Denko's. And yeah. that's where the controversy came in. They gotcha. wanted to become more commercial. I went out to California. Yeah. Brian and Doug were living in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. And I, I go in, go and meet with them, and I'm all excited. And they're like, this is what we want to sound like. And they put a, this is what we want to sound like. And they put a Smiths record on. I'm like, what? The yeah. Smiths? <laughs> so they kind of like changed their style. It still was good. A lot of people hated it. Yeah. More people loved it. Yeah. And that's why this guy wrote this book. Because there's rumors that they blew all the money that we gave them on other things <laughs> besides making the record. Right. But I gave them a lot of control. I, 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 was, I always tried to give bands yeah. a lot of control. Artistic mm. freedom is important. Right. You try and take that away from a band and they become a corporate whore. Yeah. And I never wanted to make Right. Any bands that I worked with, corporate whores. And you, but you did see that a lot. A lot, yeah. When I worked for A and M, I had no control over that. Right. See, when I worked for A and M, I was worked. I was director of alternative marketing for a while. Then I became a regional. Uh, mm -hmm. I forget what the title. I can't remember my title anymore. <laughs> and my job was to, yeah. to work and develop bands like Sheryl Crow, Soundgarden, Jim Blossoms. Okay. And then bands like Paw, Monster Magnet, Damn the Machine. I went on the road with them. Well, mm -hmm. you were asking me about touring. Yeah. In 1992 to about 97, I was on the road a lot. Okay. I would go out with bands like Damn the Machine, Paw, Monster Magnet, Jacko Pierce. Occasionally, I would, I, I, like one time, my boss, Richie Gallo, called me up. He's like, Steve, he's a New York guy, and he talked, yeah. Steve, I want you to go out on the road. Brian Adams is playing these dates <laughs> down south. I want you to go to every record store in these cities and make sure they got his greatest hits album because his manager went in one store and he couldn't find the record. So I'm like, okay. He goes, I'll send you a bunch of cleans. That means clean CDs where I could yeah. give the store right a lot of the stores were confused yeah. when i handed them a box of cds for free but yeah. that's what you did at a major yeah. so the night before i'm getting ready to leave i'm like what is brian adams doing playing the georgia bowl and uh the the uh cotton bowl the astrodome and i looked he was opening for the stones so got i got you. to see the stones oh wow four shows down okay. south 
big shows. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Mick, the one of the coolest things that ever happened to me is I'm standing yeah. in the dressing room. The only night that Brian Adams would let us bring this radio guy down. Okay. I'm standing in the doorway. His band's fiddling around. He's talking to this radio guy. All of a sudden, everyone looks at me. Yeah. And I look, and Mick Jagger's standing next yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, he looked like a statue. He didn't even look like a human being. He's like, how you doing? <laughs> that was it. That's and it. he went, him and Brian went behind a curtain and started talking about whatever. Yeah. I used to get to meet a lot of rock stars. That was yeah. cool. When I was on, like, I knew Sheryl Crow. I've got a couple platinum records from her. And, you know, Gin Blossoms, I worked with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got Dishwaller, Gold Record. You know, a lot, Soundgarden, all those bands had gold and platinum records, right. so I got a lot of those. Gotcha. But meeting guys like Brian May from Queen, yeah. and Robert Plant from Zeppelin, right. those, that meant more to me yeah. when I get to meet people like that, you know, because I was even starstruck, you know? Mm -hmm. Hanging out with Amy Grant and Sting, like, yeah. I went backstage with Sting a few times because I had to do some of his shows, yeah. Brian Adam, Janet Jackson, yeah, to meet her. Everyone else from AM that I was with there wouldn't go up to her. I went right up to her, started talking. To her. I'm like, how, when else am I going to get a chance to talk to Janet Jackson? Right. You know? Live it up. So, a lot of rock stars like that I got to meet. I was cool. I, you know, I'm a fan. You yeah. Know, regardless of 30 years in the business, still a fan. Right. The music's always going to be the most important thing for me. Still is. Yeah. Interesting. So. Where I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. You keep asking me where bands are going to go, but I'm not really. Aside from getting well, in your band touring and trying to yeah. figure out how to get a deal with an independent label or yeah. pressing up your own vinyl, so right, making so t-shirts, band, bands that I know licensing. that are right that are doing well, they're they're playing 300 shows a year, which is a lot. That is a lot. If you know a band's playing 300. Shows a year they're making a living. Correct. I know bands like that too, but you know, right, right. Um, it's not. There's a lot of bands that aren't playing correct. 300 shows a year. Right. It's very hard to do that. And now. they have to work at a pizza shop. If you noticed in the last 10 years, a lot of big bands yeah. that have been around for a long time yeah. are on tour. Like right. a band like L7, who mm -hmm. disappeared for 10 years, all of a sudden went on tour last year. Yeah. You know, a lot of these bands have got back together. Yeah. Baruch Assault. You know, bands that were big in the early 90s. Right. The Lemonheads have a new record coming out. Yeah. People like Juliana Hatfield, she puts an album out every year, but not yeah. everyone does that. Yeah. There's a lot of, like in the summertime, you know, these yeah. big, huge shows, like Deep Purple. It's like one original member left, but they're still touring. Right. Alice Cooper, he's got a whole new band, but he's still touring, you know? Yeah, yeah. Poison does it every yep. year. So okay, I'll ch I'll change it up a little bit. What do you think about Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh music scene? There's a couple of bands here that I like, uh, yeah. you know, but there aren't a lot of bands that are really the cheats. You know, I signed a band from Pittsburgh, okay, in 1989 to Metal Blade Records, Eviction. Okay, all those guys I'm still in touch with. Got you. Robbie Tabachka formed the Volcano Dogs. Todd Porter, you must know him. He's a legend in this town. Okay. He's got his own uh, tattoo shop. Uh, called? Saints and Sinners. Yeah. 
the Cheats are probably the biggest punk band here. Gotcha. There's a couple other bands like Murder for Girls that I yep, know. Yep. Uh, you know, but there aren't. It's not a huge music scene. Yeah. Pittsburgh is a small music. scene. I know scene. it is. We get Very we get small. we get overlooked a lot when when the yeah. tours run through town. The Cleveland or the Philly. Yeah. Pittsburgh. There, a lot of mid-level bands don't come here. Right. They go to Cleveland. Yeah. Philly. Right. They go right. They drive through Pittsburgh. Yeah. But you know the Dropkick Murphys come here every year and other bands like that because I saw them. Yeah. I know those guys, so I was able to get <laughs> tickets to those shows. Yeah. You know, I mean, band Social D comes here every year. Yep. You know, I mean, uh, other bands that I can't think of right now, but there yeah. are bands that do come here. I got a question for you. What do you think about No Effects and what happened? Uh, what happened? Well, oh yeah, you, you mean they got kicked off? Of yeah. It, uh, Canceled. Well, yeah. I don't know Hashtag those guys. Canceled. That's what. <clears throat> yeah, I don't yeah. know those guys very okay. well. But uh, wouldn't they, didn't they speak up politically about something? Yeah, they made a rude comment about a shooting, and it was like, it was, it was actually it was a few days after they played in Pittsburgh, and then they were in Vegas, so that they were at the same. From what I heard. Yeah, I can't really comment on yeah. that because I'm not familiar with the story. I so, know. did you ever have any bands that like? I mean. In one, you know, after that show, they basically got booed off stage and then they were not able to get booked that they were canceled off that, off that, the rest of that tour. And then they, they haven't, I don't think that they've been booked in Did the I U.S. Did I ever since. know any bands get kicked yeah. off of shows? <laughs> well, basically kicked out of the U.S. <laughs> well, the one really interesting <laughs> band that I didn't really work with, but yeah. indirectly I did was the Nymphs. Okay. They were signed to Geffen. Yeah. Inger Laurie. Keith Morris from the Circle Jerks at a Foundations convention handed me two cassettes because yeah. he knew I worked for a label. Yeah. He handed me a Nips cassette and the Hangmen. Okay. Both those bands got signed. Yeah. The Nips ended up getting signed to Geffen. I wanted to sign them to Metal Blade, but they weren't a Metal Blade band. They, they weren't even they weren't a metal band. Yeah. She ended up getting uh, Tom Zutat, who also signed Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses, yep. took their mixing guy the guy that was mixing their record and put him on a guns record gotcha. and she got really upset i don't know if you ever heard this story nah. but she went in his office yeah. got on his desk pulled down her pants and pissed all over <laughs> his desk it was in rolling stone magazine yeah. it was a big story yeah she lost her deal <laughs> needless to say you know? right she had some issues at the time you know a lot of rock stars have issues sure but that's one incident I can think of where it affected her career, hmm. you know, because she spoke up against a man. Yeah. I thought it was one of the coolest things ever. It is. But you got you to do that sometimes. You got to put them in their place. There wasn't a lot of controversy when I worked at A&M yeah. with bands getting in trouble. I mean, yeah. you could raise a lot of hell when you're on tour. It's kind of I the mean, point, right? The, Paw from Lawrence, Kansas, they were a grunge band. Yeah. Every night there was trouble with those guys. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to, if you were a record company guy, they wouldn't even let you in the dressing room unless you brought them a bottle of Jim Beam or Jack, and yeah. you had to take the first swig. So yeah. I was on tour with them for a while, and there was a lot <laughs> of trouble on that tour. Gotcha. But, you know, they never made it huge. They had that song, Jesse. Yeah. which was a radio hit. Jesse, you're a good dog, such a good dog. It was like a yeah. rock radio hit, but that's about as far as they went. Interesting. All the other bands I worked with at A&M and artists like Patty Griffin, 
Cheryl Crow, Jim Blossom, Soundgarden. They all just played by the rules. Yeah. You know? Right. And they all became successful. Yeah. So where do you see yourself now? Like, like now you're, how'd you end up in Pittsburgh? Oh, this is an interesting story because yeah, I actually came here to work for an independent label. Yeah? Get Hip Records. I've heard of them. Yeah, they totally screwed me. Really? But yeah. I came here and took a low-paying job to come work for them. I moved from Boston to here. Yeah. I didn't have hardly anything. I took a low-paying job, and when I started working for them, they treated me like shit. Yeah. They were just totally unreasonable people to work for. And I lasted three months and then quit and got fired at the same time, basically. Yeah. Mutual. See, I lied before when I said I only got fired from one job. <laughs> Greg Kostelich and Barbara, his wife, would probably tell you they fired me. Gotcha. So, and they, that's fine. If they want to tell people they fired yeah. me, fine. But gotcha. that never would have worked out. What did, they, what did they want you to do there? Sell. I was selling records over the phone, but I wasn't selling enough records for them. Gotcha. Even though I resurrected a bunch of accounts that wouldn't deal with them. They have a horrible reputation. Huh. People don't like them. None of the record stores here in Pittsburgh even buy from them. Really? They have a little they have their they own have their record store now. That's how they go yeah. around that. I haven't been there. I won't go there. Okay. I have no interest in dealing with those people at all. Gotcha. Even though I knew Greg, Greg's the guitar player from the Cynics, okay. the Charms and the Cynics played shows together. Yeah. You know? And I always had a good relationship with Greg. Gotcha. I have no idea why they did that to me. Huh. It pissed off a lot of people, but yeah, that's the music industry. Right. But I didn't leave. I stayed. I'm up in Troy Hill. I decided yeah. to stay. Okay. And I sold tickets for the double-decker Pittsburgh Tour Company. Okay. And I did whatever I could do. I made bread over at baked bread over Donatelli's. Okay. And then when I met Zach, he knew I didn't know anything about the restaurant business. Yeah. But we connected musically yeah. and he hired me and I've been huh. with him for like a year and a half now. So Yeah. Awesome. You're making tacos. Yeah, I, I love working there. We blast tunes all day long. Yeah. I get to tell stories to people. They love my stories. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Yep. Because, you know, people always are like, what? You did this? You did that? You did... Not right. everyone ends up in Hollywood Hills, Joe. Correct, correct. <laughs> so where can we find you for people that are watching and they want to they wanna catch up with you? Uh, Facebook, Instagram. In yeah, any... Twisted Rico I use, at Twisted Rico okay. on Instagram. Okay. And... Uh, you know, if you go to my Instagram account, you'll find me. Cool. You know, if you want to email me, twistedrico at gmail.com. Cool. I'm not going to give you my phone number because sure. I don't want to get a million text messages but, <laughs> or two even. But uh, I am very open to, like, talking to anybody about music and doing music stuff, you know. Cool. I did a benefit here, actually, yeah. last year. I did a right. benefit for a, a local shelter, no-kill shelter, Animal Friends. I had the yeah. cheat the bands I knew, the Cheats, yeah. Volcano Sons, uh, Volcano Dogs, sorry, the Volcano Sons are a different band, Troll yeah. Kicker. Uh, you know, I had these local bands play and they raised money. It was good, man. Awesome. But well, we raised money for them. We made right. 900 bucks for the shelter. Awesome. It's good. Uh, well, be sure to check them out. Thanks for watching Thoughtful Discussions. If you'd like, share this video with a friend. Uh, like it, subscribe and uh, check out more episodes. 
Thank you for having me. Absolutely.